Oh, okay. Good morning, everyone. Sorry you having to deal with me again. My 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 best half is um, still really sick, and um, her and her mother both have just it's not COVID, but they're just really struggling with bad cough, congestion, and um, so I asked her. I told her I could step in. I had plenty of uh, extra notes from the previous teaching and a lot more from this new one. Um, I didn't get really. Um, my title's pretty much the same, uh, but there's a uh, a lot of information that I've been studying in the New Testament now on destruction. And, you know, I got to thinking over the last couple of weeks, I haven't really been uh, listening to the news that much, and I really was not aware <laughs> of the chaos that was going on over, you know, in Afghanistan. And, and I guess after uh, uh, the, the, the teaching on... Uh, destruction part one I all last week I began to really look at the news and kind of get back in the that scene and I, I, I really I'm just blown away by um, all the challenges that are going on across the country um, I mean and we we know that's going to happen we do we know famine earthquakes all kinds of uh, things are going to that have already been prophesied that are going to come to pass and there's no way we can stop it, you know. And that, that's something that we're going to have to, as a people, really, really discern. Is this something that we need to shut up the heavens on where it doesn't happen? Or do we just, is it, is it supposed to happen? And that's a challenge. I mean, we're human. We can easily make mistakes um, and, and think something is of the devil and it really not be of the devil. It could be allowed by the Lord to bring his people uh, closer to him and that's always his objective and so um, a couple of days ago after I knew Trish was not going to be well enough to teach I started studying the New Testament um, on destruction and I mean it, it is a negative topic but there are a lot of positives that come out of this it's just a matter of, of, of our perspective and the way we, we view it and so this morning, uh, we're going to look at two, two Greek words. The first one there is um, <clears throat> apolumai, and it's the root word of apaleo. And, and they both really are, are connected. The first one there means to, I mean, just utter destruction. And in some, pl some places, it's translated as perish or lose, but it still has that connotation of, of something is being lost, something is um, being destroyed. And then apaleo means total ruin, total loss, same kind of thing. And that word is used about 20 times in the New Testament. The previous one is uh, used, I think, over, well over 90 uh, places throughout the New Testament. And there's certain ones that we're going to, I know there's no, I, I put all this together, and you, now you've got 14 pages of uh, notes from these two teachings. So, I'm going to kind of go through some that really stood out um, a lot, uh, particularly um, about the um, uh, the wide gate and the straight gate. This word is used in, in, in that context, which is really, really interesting. So to start off with, though, this this first um, this first passage here, we all know this. And, and I love the way. 
God's breath kind of breathes something into us and says, you know what, look at this. Um, and, and it's a timing insight. It, it just, I'm still, I, I know I say that when I'm up here, I'm still blown away by, no pun intended, but it, it's just so um, adventurous in, in the relationship whenever you get the Lord shares something fresh and it's for what's going on and then he starts going, hey, do you see what's happening in this country? Do you see the... Um, the utter destruction that's taking place and how the enemy's trying to take over all of this region of the world. And um, it just really, um, the scripture comes alive whenever you see those things. So I, I titled this Angelic Encounter. And I believe this is, this is one of the things, uh, uh, strategies the enemy's trying to use at this time where he is seeking the destruction of the, in this instance, it was the son of God. But in our case, I think he's trying to, he, he's, he's, he's wanting to utterly destroy the sons. And I think what we're seeing over in Afghanistan, and we're seeing some really heinous things that are going on, and it's just, it's crazy. I mean, but let's read it. It says in, in Matthew 2, starting in verse 13, And when they departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying now the the content of what this angelic representative is telling him is is astounding to me i mean he's giving him specific directives he's giving him information about a child i mean of all things herod's going after a child what's what's wrong with him i mean this is a grown man this is someone that's uh, a leader why is he concerned about this young child but the angel says Take the young child and his mother and flee into Egypt. Now, I'm thinking, okay, now, well, we're in the New Testament era here. Why in the world is he going to have him go into Egypt? Now, I know prophetically, but I'm saying it, that would be like the Lord telling me, okay, Mark, I've sent this angel. He said, flee, go to Afghanistan. I mean, Egypt represents bondage and, and a lot of other things, but slavery... <laughs> But that's the equivalent, right? Now, my, I hadn't heard the Lord say go to Afghanistan, but if he said to go, we would go. But that would be the equivalent. So he's giving detailed explanation, and he says, While you're in Egypt, be thou there until I bring the word. So it wasn't going to be a continual, uh, you know, 15-year stay. He said, you go there, you stay until I bring you another word. And he, and he gives reasons why. He says, for Herod is seeking the young child to destroy him. That's the objective of the enemy through Herod-like people, through these crazy ones that are over here trying to take over. Uh, all, their objective is world domination. I mean, when you study, I know I might get Islam, uh, and I'm not separating the good one from the bad. I mean, it's kind of like, how can that be? You either accept the Quran and you accept all the ramifications in there. You can't just be a Muslim and not believe in jihad because it's in it's in it, the Islamic teachings. And um, so they they and I've studied them. I've written a lot tons of papers on them. They all they want is world domination. What does that sound like to you? 
That sounds like the book of Revelation all over again to me. I mean, it, it's a modern example of how the enemy, that's all he wants to do. He wants to control people. He wants to take over. He's, he's, he's all in this violence and this destructive chaos and fusion and every, everything else you can think of is just all visible signs of how the enemy is going after people and in this case, a country that I believe the Lord has earmarked to move in a powerful way. I mean, why would there be so much demonic activity going on there if the Lord didn't want to come in and do something great in that country? I know he does. And so here we have the, this issuance of Apollumi here, and it's all about destruction, and he's going after a young child. I mean, it's just, it makes no sense to the human mind. But Herod has this in, in his thoughts. And in, in verse 14, it says, And when he arose, talking about Joseph, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed into Egypt. Now, I mean, complete obedience. I mean, we have no indication here at all that Joseph um, even thought about not doing this. But, I mean, Joseph knew about Egypt. He knew what had happened there many, many years ago. I mean, it had been shared from one generation to the next what happened, all the plagues and, and, and everything that happened there. But he, yet he still, he said, okay, I'll take this young, young child. Father, and a, uh, the mother doing this, it's, it's, it sounds crazy, right? Most people today would be like, are you crazy? We're not going there. So I, I know if I, were, if I were a father and my young child was in danger, I wouldn't be fleeing into Egypt. <laughs> but when an angel of the Lord appears and says, do this, he had to know, what did Joseph feel in that dream? I mean, we don't have any indication, but there had to be some assurance or some kind of, it, it, was, it, had, it, was, the, it was the breath of the Lord with this angel. I mean, everything that this angel represented from, from God was the thing that impacted Joseph enough to say, okay, I will do this. And so they flee into Egypt, and he said, and, and, and he was there until what? The death of Herod. That is really cool, too. We, we need to know that even though the enemy is trying to destroy the mission and those that are moving as sons and saints in the earth, that God is going to step in and he's going to deal with leaders like Herod, and they're going to die. I mean, he's going to take care of it. He's going to, we don't have to worry about God. Remember, that's God's job. That's not ours. Joseph's job was to hear and obey. And as he did that, God took care of the rest. And that, that's, we need to remember that. As things get dark and get even darker, we need to, we need to keep this in the forefront of our mind. It helps me. And so, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, out of Egypt I've called my son. And there it is again, the, the, the concept of sonship here. So really the enemy is going after sonship. He does not want people recognizing their identity in this world. And it's destructive. It's bloody. And that's exactly what I saw. I'm not going to share any detail, but that's exactly what I saw two weeks ago.
in the, in this dream or night vision kind of thing. I was in and out. That's exactly it was utter destruction and desolation in, in places across the world. And I'm hoping that it doesn't have to what's happening there in that in that country right now. I'm hoping and I'm praying that that does not happen before people realize and wake up in this country, especially the politicians that are releasing all this chaos. And that's where we come in as intercessors, where we can stand in the gap, even though the gap is wide open and the gate up there is just, I mean, it, and the gate down south and everywhere else is just wide open and it just seems like they're, they're wanting total chaos and destruction of the United States of America. But we stand as a representative from the throne and when we intercede, things are going to change. God's going to take care of us. I, you know, the scripture says, I've never seen the righteous forsaken, right? We're considered righteous because of him and who he is in us. He's not going to forsake us. It might look like he has. It might look like he's turned his back on that country, but he has not. It just indicates the time of the end. I mean, Daniel spoke of this. John saw it. These guys saw all this way in advance and what was happening currently in their day. And now we've seen it progress to where we are in our day. And we don't need to be discouraged. You know, we don't need to be fearful. And, but we need to know that he might send us into Egypt or a place that is so chaotic and have us there for a season but then he's going to call us out of that as a son. So I just think that's really interesting, all the things that happen in this dream. And there's much more that we could talk about, but that kind of lays the groundwork for, for where we're going. Now, Jesus said some interesting things with this term that he used. And, and I've titled this, Seeking Not to Destroy, But to Fulfill the Law. In Matthew 5, and I made a mistake here, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you that that word for destroy there is not uh, apoluma. It's, it's another Greek word that, that is um, kataluo, K-A-T-A-L-Y-O. So scratch through that one. I was doing so many different types of studies with destroy, I, I just forgot to remove that. And that word, it, it had the idea of t to loosen up something as to where it's, it's so loose that it can disintegrate. And then, or in another, another instance, it also means to absolutely just to demolish. So I did not come to demolish the law, but to fulfill it. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot and one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law to all be fulfilled. Now, I'm not going to, it's not a teaching about fulfilling the law. I mean, we're, we're under the new covenant and grace, but it just kind of gives you insight into, you know, in the beginning, God destroyed everything, right? He was just fed up with the wickedness. And he said he would never do that type of thing again, not in that manner. But we do see remnants all throughout the New Testament where, things occurred that were very destructive and, and and a lot of it is because individuals choose that pathway i mean we have a choice every day to get up out of bed 
and be positive and really go after the Lord, or we can sit in the bed and be in despair and depression and be negative. I mean, we choose everything. No enemy force is going to cause us against our will to do anything. It's, it, we have the choice. I choose to... I choose, my, I choose my pathway every single day, and so do you. And I have a hard time believing a lot of the agenda that's going on in our country, it's, it's demonic, and it's and it's, and it's man-centered. I mean, if you got those two together. I mean, I'm calling it what it is. It's demonic. Anything that, <laughs> and I, I know when when if people hear this, I am not speaking of any any party. I really, you know, parties divide, right? Democratic, Republican, whatever. You know, we just need to focus on what is what is what is the purpose of the Lord. That's that's our worldview. And that's our lens. What is God saying about this situation at this time? What does he want us to do? Does he want us just to lay down and give up and throw in the towel and go, oh, man, well, the United States is just going to hell and in that handbasket, right? No. We know the Lord's got great things in store. And, and some people, the, the first time that they encounter any kind of anything that's negative or something that is a front to them, they want to give up, right? We, we should not be people that fear any of those things. In fact, this next scripture here is going to indicate who we should be fearing. <laughs> and it's not the enemy. And it's not the enemy even being able to kill the body. But let's read it together. We need to fear the one who's able to destroy the soul and the body in Gehenna. Let's read it. Jesus talking here. The disciple is not above the master. Now, I started looking at this. There's going to be a, um, there's two different groupings here, the disciple and the master, nor the servant above his Lord. Very interesting terms. It is, it is enough for the disciple that he be as his master and the servant as his Lord. If they've called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more are they going to call him of his household? Fear them not. Who's them? Who's he referring to? He's talking about the people that are and and that are in partnership with Beelzebub. So you've got the the principality, but the the humans that are partnering with him. He says, "Don't fear them." For the, and then he says, "For there is nothing covered over that shall not be revealed." And hid cryptos that shall not be known. What I lego to you in the darkness or in, the, in those things that are obscure or things that are really dim, you can't see it very clearly, I want you to speak in the light. And what you hear in your ear, preach, caruso, be that one that is like the public crier in the marketplace that is going to loudly proclaim what's going on. What, what is he saying to proclaim? What you hear in your ear. He's talking about darkness, 
speak it, and, and, and as you speak, light comes. Light there is foes. There's a, there's a shining and a, mani- a manifestation of light coming when we do that. Is darkness all around us? Absolutely. I just, this whole progression here is full of things that we all know. But I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's done something. And he says, you're, you're carousoing upon the housetops. Now, if you read during biblical days, the, the, the public crier would go out in the marketplace. And I even did a little, little research and kind of shows that they, they wore certain types of clothing. And it was um, uh, red and gold, and, uh, which is interesting that they would be out in the marketplace announcing things. But here he says, not in the marketplace. He's saying, on the very top of a house, I want you to, 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 to cry this, this out, okay? Whatever I reveal to you in the darkness, speak it, and things are going to be manifest by light. That's, that's incredible to me. And then he says this, Fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul. It's very interesting. I had never seen the uh, killing of the body, but they cannot do anything to the soul. But rather, fear him that is able to apolumai both the soul and the body in Gehenna. He's the one that we need to have a reverent fear for because he has the ability to kill the body and the soulish part of who we are. That's a sobering fact. I can't explain some of this to you other than I'm not saying it's the intent of God to kill the body or the, or the soul, but he's making a point here. He's trying to get people to realize, don't fear Beelzebub. Don't fear the people that partner with him or those in his household, but fear the one that can kill the body and the soul. That's the one we need to be focused on. And, and a lot of the things that are going on, God is trying to use these situations and getting people to realize their need for him, not just when things are, are bad, but to serve him when things are, are good. You know what I'm saying? A lot of people, will, you know, they'll, they'll serve the Lord for a week, you know, just to get out of the trouble. And then before you know it, it's like they don't even know who God is after that, right? That's not what he wants. He wants a devoted people that will follow him no matter what is going on, good or bad. He, that's what he wants. I mean, he wants devoted people. And, you know, I, I saw something in the news uh, recently and, you know, about all these different things, people are wanting to change names and stuff. For, for example, I'm just going to say this, and we know why this is going on, because Washington does not want any kind of... <laughs> the Washington Redskins, they're wanting to change, I mean, change the name of a football team, and they're trying to tie everything to racism somehow and we all know that it still exists it still exists among all ethnicities i mean it does i know white people that are racist to white people and blacks to black so when god looks down he that's part of the chaos that the enemy is trying to to do within our country and it's so far from do you honestly think God is focused on that in, 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 in his purpose at this point? 
You think that's really what he's focused on is the pigmentation of our skin? I mean, he loves all of us. Don't get me wrong. He's looking much deeper into us. He's looking into the very center of who he created people to be. He doesn't see color. He's not focused on color. When he looks at me, Imani, or anybody else in this room, he sees a heart that's after him or not after him. I'm not saying he can't see. He can. He knows all. But what I'm my point here. This has gotten to a point in our country where it is just sickening. And it makes me nauseated to know that we cannot look at each other and look beyond the way man sees and start to see with the vision of God the way he sees because that's what he's looking at. He's not focused on the things that are man-centered in this world. Corruption is here. Corruption started in heaven when the enemy failed and God said, you know what, that's, that's not here. This is a perfect place and I ain't having it. And then he banished Satan and then the garden. So it, it was, it's always been here. So why the major emphasis on a lot of the things right now? I think the enemy, he just wants to get people distracted. He just wants to get people distracted off of really going after God in a, in a very passionate pursuit, right? We're, we're, we're coming to this. I mean, we're, I just think it's interesting. And I'm going to take a sip of coffee and let somebody else chat for a minute because it, this stuff is really, it's just, it angers me. It angers me that that we people will allow such disunity to go on. And they'll use the name of a party. They'll use the color of skin. I mean, any kind of thing to separate. God, he's really not into that. So what do you what do you think God is telling us right now from his throne? What what is what is he saying? What is he doing? He, he, he knows exactly what's happening, and he's not really frustrated. There's no, there's no anxiety in the heart of God. There's no imperfection, nothing. And when he's looking out, I, one of the things in his heart that I know is going on is he's grieved. This grieves his heart, and that's a scriptural term, not the way we grieve. It's a different type. What is perfect Grievement. I mean, I, I can't really explain it. It's hard. But you get what I'm saying. He, he's moved by things that are totally different than what we're moved by. We love the big houses and the fancy cars and all the monetary things, right? Think, is God really concerned with all that? He said, as long as you've got food and raiment, be content, right? <laughs> That's what he says. <laughs> and, I, and I read that yesterday, and I'm like, Lord, I, I, I guess I need some help on that one because I... I I yearn for, and there's nothing wrong with wanting other things, but I'm saying, you see how he's focused so much differently on things? I hope that I can get to the point before I die to where I can say, as long as I have food and clothes on my back, I'm content. I'm a work in progress. I'm not there yet. <laughs> but why would he even say that? He knows where true contentment lies, and it's only in knowing him in a deep, passionate love that's it that's what's going to remain everything else just goes by the wayside
Now let's look at Matthew 12, verses 8 through 15. This is another scenario that's happening in the earth at this time where there's the, the issue of what's being done on the Sabbath day. And they made it a black Sabbath day <laughs> in this case. It says, For the Son of Man is Lord even on the Sabbath day. And when he departed thence, he went into their synagogues. Man, he was proactive. I mean, he's, it didn't say he went to the um, uh, first assembly of God down here that had 150 believers, right? He's going into their synagogues proactively. And this is, this is a, a pattern, and, a, and he's modeling for us how God's going to direct us to go into synagogues that are really where there's a hidden agenda. And there was a hidden agenda here. They wanted to absolutely destroy him through accusation. And it says, Behold, there was a man which had a withered hand. And they asked him, saying, Is it lawful to therapeuo on the Sabbath days? And they're doing this so that they might accuse him. They wanted to find something wrong that they could charge him with. And lock him up, right? And shut his mouth. Why? He's coming to a man, one person. And there's others there. So this is, this is another example of how God is looking. And he's looking through his son here. And there's one person that he's got a laser focus on. And he's coming to that guy. He's not coming for the accusers. He's not focused on them. He knows they're out to destroy him. But he's going after this man that's got a withered hand. And he says unto him, says unto them, What man shall there be among you that has one sheep? And if he falls into a pit on the Sabbath day, will you not lay hold on it and lift it out? Man, I don't question he knows they're accusing him he knows there's a man that needs to be healed on the sabbath day and he turns and he addresses his accusers directly this is phenomenal i mean the, the wisdom that he spoke here and and he's using sheep for a reason as we can, can you continue to read we'll, we'll find out what that is he says wherefore hang on no how much then is a man better than a sheep? So he's comparing an animal and a human. Can you imagine what these guys are thinking? They're probably going, hmm. We don't have great insight into here. We just know their objective. But you have to know in, in, their, in their mind they're deliberating going, well, he's got a point there, but I still want to accuse him. He's got a point there. So their mind is playing all kinds of games with them, their thoughts. And they're thinking, man, this, he's, he's right, but, oh, but we've got to accuse him. We need to charge him of something, right? And then he turns and he says, remember the first question was, he asked, asked them a question, is it lawful? Now he's like saying a direct statement. He says, it is lawful to do callos on the Sabbath day. <laughs> that is phenomenal. He's just telling them, he's telling them like it is. And he's trying to cut through all of their religiosity, 
all of the law law that they've got in their head that they think they know everything and he's trying to do something that's kalos which is the purpose of the lord on the on a day that they called the sabbath and he tells them directly this is lawful it would be like us saying this is what god is saying right thus saith the lord this is what he's telling us to do at this point i'm not concerned about washington they're not the true voice of the Lord. In fact, they're just the opposite if you really look at the content of what they're releasing. They have no idea of spiritual things that are going on around this world. They're only focused on control and power. That's what they want. People like that are wanting to control their power base, and they're going to do any and everything they can to keep it in, in, in place. So he turns to this man... Now, let's think about the poor man that's here. <laughs> I'm, he's probably thinking, what's wrong with you guys, man? I got a withered hand. Can't you see it? Let the guy heal me. Not that, I mean, he's, he's just standing back. And all of a sudden, Jesus turns again back to his purpose, and he says, stretch forth your hand. And he stretched it forth, and he was restored uh, to Haganus. Or what's the word there, Pastor? That's it. The uh, Huggies, one the firm fitting thing there. We use <laughs> restoration of a whole, like as the other. Then the Pharisees went out, and they brought together a council against him, how they might apolumai him, bring him to utter destruction. Sounds like Washington to me. The thought process. All the things that they're, 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 it just, it's craziness. There's so much that we see that, that happened many, many years ago that is truly manifesting almost identical to where we are today. We have Herods all over the country that are out to destroy the sons. We have Individuals like this that are trying to guard over their Sabbath day when in fact God's saying you've made it a black Sabbath day. And they don't even recognize it. Heal somebody on the Sabbath day? That's too much work there. You can't do anything on the Sabbath day. You just got to sit back and rest and sleep for a whole day. You can't even cook a meal. If, you, if your sheep falls in the pit, you can't even get him out. Let him die there, right? That's what they're doing here, and he's, he's cutting through all of that. So the church also needs to wake up and say, you know what? We really need God to move in his spirit in our churches and all across this country. And one of the things that he's doing with this, too, is I believe that he is putting inside people a even if it is an inkling, uh, uh, to, to really seek Him with their whole heart. And when we can do that as a people, we'll find Him, right? He's going to make Himself known. He's not going to stand long for all this utter destruction that's going on. He's allowing it. But at some point, we know, and we've believed for many years, that He's going to visit this earth in a way that none of us have expected. It's going to be far different than the way any of us have envisioned it. 
I, I know for myself, I didn't think we would ever get to this point in our country. Our, the country we live in. We're not even talking about Africa. The country that we live in, I never thought we would be at this point and in this shape right now. But we are. But there are great days ahead of us. So they're there to destroy him. In verse 15, look how Jesus responds. When, but when he knew it, he could have called for a legion of angels here in this context, right? He could have. What did he choose to do? He withdrew himself. In the, in the presence of his accusers, in the presence of those that were wanting to destroy him, he says, you know what? Here's my model. Here's my example. At this time, I'm going to withdraw myself. And as he did that, look what happened. Great multitudes followed him. We're going to believe that when we're in situations like that, we're in them right now, that whenever the Lord, whenever things happen like this, wherever he sends us, there may be times where we turn and we speak. I'm not saying we don't, but the method that was used here was to withdraw ourselves. And as we do that, we need to believe that great multitudes are going to follow and be impacted by what the Lord does in this demonic environment. He still moved. Every, he moved powerfully, right? Great healing occurred. And as a result, great multitudes followed. And he healed them all. Let's look at page two. Wow, we're 40 minutes in. We're on page two of seven. That's okay. No worries. Any, anybody have any uh, comments? Wow. Okay. Going once, going twice. Now, Matthew 18, 11, and some others that I put here speak of the concept of how he's seeking and saving the lost. Now, I, I put this in here because lost is the word apoluma for destruction. It's just translated lost. So in Matthew 18, 11, it says, For the Son of Man has come to save sozo. There's one of the words for healing in the New Testament. That which was apolumai. This is the desire and in the intent of the Lord. He comes seeking after and he wants to find those that are in a destructive state and bring a point of healing to them. I hadn't, quite, I hadn't thought of it quite like that before until now. Do you think he wants to do, uh, perform things like he did to Sodom and Gomorrah in our day? And I'm, I, I, I'm just saying, I, I don't really, I, I know destruction is, is very much in our face these days. But I really think he's wanting to go after those that are in these destructive places, seek them out, and to find them and bring sozo-type healing to them and, and get them out of that destruction. And that's, that's what Jesus is saying here. Now, Luke 15, this is the prodigal son here. The father says to his servants, 
He says, after he's come to his senses, bring the best robe, put it on him, put a, a ring on his finger, a ring on his hand, shoes on his feet, bring hither the fatted calf and kill it. And I don't believe in killing them animals there. Well, there you go. It's a biblical reference for what, what he's put out here. We need to eat it, right? Just saying. Hunting season's just around the corner. That's why I bring it up. <laughs> and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was apolumide and is found. And they began to be merry. Let us not be like the elder son when God finds... The lost person here is not the one that's not born again. Because that the language is not even used there. Uh, soteriology uh, in the Greek is not even used here. Lost sozo is not... It, it can be connected, but it's a different Greek word. It's, for, it's a word for healing. So when he's talking about seeking lost, he's talking about seeking people that are, that are, that are, that are uh, there's major destruction going on, and he's looking for them. He wants to find them. And when he does, we need to give the, he's given the best to them, the, the, the proper robe, the clothing, the, the shoes. And, and the elder son gets infuriated. And Lord, let us not get to that point when you start reaching those that are lost. You know, I, I thought for so many years, and it's still going to happen. You know, people that have left are going to come back. Some are, some are not. A lot of them are not going to come back. But this here has kind of changed my, my mindset as to, don't you know there, there are sons in Afghanistan that are in all this destruction? There's families that fit this. There are people in our country, there are people in churches that are, that are lost and don't even realize it. They're, they're, they're having Black Sabbath every Sunday and every Wednesday, and they're calling it the Sabbath. God wants to reach in by His Spirit and bring people out of that destruction into a point where they're sozo, where they're, they're absolutely whole and functioning the way He created them to be. He wants to do that. I know I'm kind of beating a horse here, but it, it's really important to, for, for us to really see a lot of these things. I know we do, but wow, this... He, he's setting the stage for great things to come. Well, this, I think this is a great... To me, it kind of... You know, when you think about praying for our nation and praying for the lost, to me, this is a great way to pray for the lost. You know, those who are set for destruction... The Lord reach in and so so those in this hour. Mm -hmm. It's just a point of intercession. Yeah. Declaration. Mm -hmm. So Luke nineteen ten is where he says it, where he, the Son of Man comes to seek and to sozo that which is lost. John three sixteen has this same terminology. For God so agape the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not apoluma but have everlasting life. He does not want people to end up in total destruction. That's not his objective. In fact, it's linked back to his agape here and the world. And the world is the creation and, 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 and people and everything within it. That's his desire. He, he told Noah, he said, I did this once. I'm not going to do it again like that ever again. He was, he was beyond wrath, beyond David Lee Roth. He was, when he did that, 
I'm making light of it, but I mean, it was very, it was, it was sad. It really was. But I'm glad he said he's not going to do it quite that way again. But he's going to take care of all of us. Now, this next passage or a few verses speaks of the straight gate versus the wide gate. In Matthew 7, verses 13 and 14, it says, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way. And where does it lead people? To, ap uh, to uh, no, it's apaleo. And it's the same, a similar word for destruction and absolute ruin and loss. And there's many that are going to go through that. Because straight is the gate, narrow is the way that leads to life, and few there be that find it. So there is the big, the wide gate is flung wide open. I mean, we can see that the, the, but they're in that wide gate, though I believe the straight gate is there too, but there's few people that are going to be able to find that gate. And, and it's interesting, the term that's used there, and I put in parentheses, finding something speaks of discovery and exploration. I mean, it's, it's not just something that happens automatically, right? We have to find that narrow, that narrow gate ourselves. Right now, all I see is something that's wide open. And many are in that, in that, that opening, and they're in that pathway. And it's, Jesus said it's broad. It, it's broad as that way, and it leads to absolute, utter destruction. And we're seeing that across our country. We're seeing it in Afghanistan and all over that area. And we're, at the, we're, we're in the gate that's straight. And as we continue to stay there and intercede, I don't know if we'll close the wide gate. I, I don't know how all that works. But I just know that it's, it's flung wide open at this point. Now, I'm not going to go over all the examples of um, the unclean spirits here, but it's definitely in here. And what, what, what is interesting about this is this unclean spirit, the words and, and the, the insight that he says through this person is um, he focuses on, he knows, he says, I know who you are, you're Jesus of Nazareth, and he said, you're the saintly one of God. And I, we, we know, are you, are you coming to apolumai us? Are you, are you wanting to absolutely destroy us? Just some interesting things. And then we know what happens. He sets the guy free. Unclean spirits listen to him and they obey him. Um, let's look at page three. We're running out of time. The same word is also used in, in context with the uh, dumb and deaf spirit in Mark 9. The... the uh, the father of the child brings his son and he says, your disciples couldn't help me. And Jesus turns and he says to them, oh, faithless generation, bring him here. And as he brings him here, the, the, he asks the father some questions. How long has he, he been in this condition? He says, as a child. And then immediately the, the, the spirit manifests, throws him on the ground. He said, oftentimes he wants to cast him into the fire for just absolutely cremating him. And then, and then he wants to throw him into the water and to drown him. This kid had purpose. 
this, this child had great purpose. Your children on this planet have great purpose. The enemy may not throw them in the fire. He may not try to drown them in the water, literally. But he's going to try to do that figuratively in a lot of other ways. He's going to try to pull on our passions, their passions, and, and, and try to get them to invest them in a lot of other things. Career. Certain path. Trying to climb the corporate ladder. All those are endless roads. Every single one of them. They lead to destruction. I'm serious, y'all. The eternal things are the only things that are going to remain. You think, you think God's got CEOs in heaven? You think you got CFO? No, he's not concerned with labels. <laughs> he wants his people to seek him with their whole heart and find him. Why? We've we got to grasp that. And everybody, everybody across this country needs to grasp that. It's not in... And I'm not saying we, we don't need to... If, if we get promoted, great. But don't let, we don't need to let promotion dictate our identity. My job I do from day to day as a technical trainer, that's not who I am. Who I am is who he's made me to be in him. And he uses this as a way to reach into the world and travel and have the company pay for it and, and be able to speak his word in the spirit whenever, wherever I go, wherever he leads. I, I'm, I'm praying in the evenings and I'm declaring and claiming... You know, speaking sonship and everywhere we go. So none of those things matter. And I'm saying this to me too as a reminder. I'm not just, this is for all of us. We need to keep things in proper perspective. We need to invest in the things that he wants us to invest in. We're gifted to do a lot of things in this world. But we need to know this. Our enemy hates us with a whole, with a demonic hatred that is just, he wants us to absolutely fail in everything we do. If you feel like you're, you've got thoughts of failure and despair, all those different things, take them captive. The enemy wants you to feel that way. And God may allow us for a season like he did me many years ago where I was in despair to the point where I... I just didn't want to keep going on. I, it, was, it was despair. It was, it was deeper than depression. Despair is deeper than depression. They're both bad. But he let me be there to let me overcome it. And that way now I have a crown. And, and when I talk about it, or when you talk about something you've overcome, by God, it impacts somebody and it hits them hard. And they realize, I can make this thing. I can get through this. This is a hurdle. It's tough. It's challenging, but we can make it. That's the difference in somebody just talking about it from their mind only. And, and, and you walking it out. So let's, let's keep going. We've got like eight, eight or nine minutes. Here's another Sabbath day. And it's very black. To save or to destroy life. Luke 6, verses 6 to 11 says this. And it came to pass also on another Sabbath that he entered into the synagogue and he's teaching. And you got the man with the withered hand. And the scribes and the Pharisees are watching him. The word watch there is two words, para and uh, um, terio. They are, they are right there alongside him and they, are, they have an inspective eye. They're inspecting every little detail meticulously, everything. 
They're trying to find something. Trying to find dirt on him. Whether, whether he would heal on the Sabbath day. Now, of all things, why, do they, why, is he, why, do he, why are they focusing on healing? I know it's the Sabbath day, but it just sounds crazy. And that, that they may find an accusation against him. But he knew their thoughts. And he said unto the man with the withered hand, Rise up, stand forth in the midst. And he rose, stood forth. Then Jesus says unto them, I'm going to ask you one thing. Here's another question. Is it lawful to do good or to do evil? To save life or apollumai it? So the question was, to save life or destroy it? They had no response. There was nothing they could say with that perfect wisdom and declaration he just made. We will be in situations like this where people come to accuse. We have no idea prior to it happening. But the Spirit of God within us will direct us to say and speak things where it cannot be refuted. And after he made that statement, he, he looks around about at all of them and he says to the man, stretch forth your hand. And as he did so, he was restored whole as the other. In verse 11. And it says they were filled with madness. Same word, being filled with the Spirit. But in this case, it's absolute madness. Makes no sense. This dude had a withered hand again. And you're going to be infuriated to the point where you're mad-like? Because something was done that you didn't think should have been done on a certain day? Who do we think we are to tell God when and where he can do something? <laughs> well, there was, it was just an excuse. I mean, they were just jealous. I mean, there were so many things that were instigating. They were afraid for their own standing in the community. They, you know, there were more things than just this one instance that upset the people. You know, it wasn't, that was just an excuse they were using. They were looking for a way to discredit him or destroy him because of, but there was a bigger dynamic going on just than just the hand being healed. They were trying to look to the law to find a reason how they could, you know, nail him. Right. Just like they were always asking questions to try to nail him in the doctrine to say, oh, he's going to speak blasphemous stuff when he always came back and, you know, showed more wisdom and they were always blown away by it. Anyway, I just was just saying. Yeah, no, 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 that's, that's good. But you had to think about you think about even the things that are happening today, you, you know what's really happening, and then you hear the dialogue that they're using to discredit or say, and yeah. I mean, that is what is happening. It's just like this, I can't remember, there's a phrase to, to, um, to describe it, I can't remember what it is, but it was like, you know, they, they're, it's like this distraction over here to hide this thing over here, and if you actually find the thing over there, then they, they had this whole, you know, narrative that they're going to use, and how they're all in cahoots with it is what's blowing me away. It's the only way it's working is because the media is all behind it. You know, all the people in power have the people that own the media outlets. See, are empowering that. You know, so there, there really is a, a demonstration of unity in the enemy camp at the moment with the narrative that they want to fulfill because otherwise it wouldn't work. Right. 
But anyway, I'm just saying that, and look what it says. And they commune one with another what they might do. So they're in cahoots. They're in right. the background, you know, trying to get some strategizing going on. Yeah. How do we stop what's happening here? Yeah. Anyway. No, no, good points. I'm sorry, I don't mean to great, be No, no, great point. No, it's okay. Minutes. That's okay. Now, I, I did want to reference, um, I could have put uh, Luke 9, the next few verses, up with uh, another section, but it... It could, but I put it here. It says, this is the instance where they're, um, um, they've entered into the village of the Samaritans, and which they didn't get, get along very well with each other. And when the disciples, James and John, saw this, <laughs> he said, are you going to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them as Elijah did? I mean, what would even... I don't, I don't understand just... I, I know there's a... A, a deeper meaning here. The Samaritans represented a people group. They, they just did not get along. They were not to be around them. They would go around Samaria. To, um, but why would they even think to go fire come down from heaven? It just seems out of place here. But that kind of shows you how as a disciple, James and John can get off out in left field, right field, and, and not be anywhere in the ballpark and then Jesus reeled them in. He said he turned, he rebuked them, and he said, you don't know what manner of pneuma that you're, you're of when you're saying that. The Son of Man has not come to apolumai men's lives, but to sozo them. <laughs> there it is again. Sozo keeps coming up repeatedly with destruction. And the intent here is to save men not to bring fire and bring utter destruction. I just, I thought that, and then they go and they go into another village. Just nonchalantly, okay. Fire, so they'll, we go to another village. The next page, all kinds of oppositions, and I'm going to end with, I'm not going to focus on those. You can read those later. I do want to end with the last part there. Labor not for the meat that perishes. Man, this is so powerful. Jesus, and he, he, John is writing this. And it says in red letters, Labor not for the meat that leads to apolumai, but for the meat that endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, for him hath God the Father sealed. So the meat he's talking about has nothing to do with that ground turkey I'm going to have with that, um, that, that, that I'm going to eat for lunch. It has nothing to do. He's, he's comparing and he's saying, focus on the meat that I'm going to provide. And we know if we keep reading that the meat is to, in conjunction with doing the will of the Father, right? That's, the, that's what it is. And that's what we need to be focused on. Going hard after Him and focus on the meat that endures to everlasting life. Most people, the term everlasting life, you know what they do? They think of it, oh, well, someday I'm going to experience the everlasting life. That is so ludicrous. You are born again of His Spirit and have eternal life now inside us. And He's saying you can continue to experience that when you're partaking of the meat that doesn't perish. That's, 
That's, that's us. That's where we're at. So, Lord, you know, I know I've kind of went all over the map here, but I know that I'm, I'm not welcoming challenges. I'm not welcoming darkness. Neither are you. We're going to be accused of a lot of things. No matter what you say, no matter how you say it, you can you could preach to people and say, I'm not declaring darkness, I'm not doing this. We're just merely identifying what the Scripture is saying about it, right? Nobody likes adversity. Nobody likes challenge. CC didn't welcome uh, Winford to have a stroke. I mean, none, nobody in here. We don't welcome any of those things. But so many times people use adversity as a way to just say, well, you know, God doesn't love me. And they go the opposite end of the spectrum. Things just happen. The fall caused a lot of the corruptive things that happen to us in our human bodies. The things we put in our body affect us. You know, I didn't realize that until a few years ago when I was in a hospital. Been there, yeah, it was after a seminar. And during a seminar, I was in the hospital after teaching. So there's a lot of things that we don't, if I could say no to everything that was a challenge, I would do it. But God has other ways of, of, of doing things. His ways are not our ways. So I hope this was helpful. I know there's a lot more we can go back and, and look at and study. I'm sure going to go back and do a lot more with this myself. And, um, but I, I, I just encourage all of you to focus on the meat that leads to, leads to everlasting life. That's going to sustain us. That's the meat that, um, was it Elijah in the Old Testament, went on for like 40 days, the sustenance? Yeah. Um, and just know that if we're out by the, 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 the creek bank, the raven's going to come. God's going to, he's going to bring us into points of deliverance and provision when everything else around us is just going, is in chaos. He is taking care of us and will continue to do that. We just need to trust him in the face of severe opposition. And, and I know we can do that. He's, he's, he's made us to do that. And so I just conclude with this prayer. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to share this morning. And help every one of us to realize that you are for us, not against us. And as we move forward in the coming days, no matter what situation we find ourselves in, as we pray or in, in other places where you lead us, let us always have a heart that is after you and let us find you and let us partake of this meat that leads into everlasting life. I thank you for the opportunity to share with my, my family here and those that are listening. And we just give you praise in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.